Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, we do declare that this time of worship, that we will not be shaken by what the world brings our way. We know that you will not fall, that you will reign victorious till the end of time as we know it here and throughout eternity. God, we we praise you because we've come in here today. Some of us maybe have felt a little shaken. Maybe some of us have felt a little uh, uneasy by the events of life that have taken place. But God, we put our faith solely and trust solely in you. We know you will not be shaken. So we claim that today. We thank you that we are victorious in Christ. And we know, we know that when we align with you, you are a good God who directs our days. God, today we fall in line with you. We worship you. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. For it's in the name of Jesus that we now pray. Amen. 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 Hey, why don't we give out one more praise offering? Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Let me welcome you here to First Baptist Church. My name is uh, Pastor Brad, the senior pastor here at First Baptist. Let me welcome those of you who are in the venue as well and who are listening online. If you uh, have an outline, I'd ask you to go ahead and take that out. You see, today we're talking about because of the goodness of God. And over the next three weeks, uh, kind of leading up into Easter, and if you didn't know Easter was coming in three weeks, it's coming in three weeks, um, I, I want to share with you a little bit of how I think God works when we're bold enough to be obedient in sharing about the goodness of God, when we're obedient in sharing about our faith in Him. And uh, it's one of our 10 core values that we have here at First Baptist Church. It's a word called evangelism. And I know that's a word that can kind of be scary to some people because we might think of a door-to-door type of evangelism or kind of awkward conversations that we might try and have with people or palms get kind of sweaty when we're having discussions or you think maybe of men on white shirts and ties and bicycling and going door-to-door knocking on doors or, or maybe kind of these un- uncomfortable forced invitations um, as we might think of them when in reality Everything we do is an opportunity to naturally share our faith. Whether you realize it or not, you are sharing your faith in every situation you walk into. People that, if they know you are a Christ follower, if they know you're a Christian, if they know you attend First Baptist Church, they are looking at your life and how you deal with life situations is the way that you are sharing your faith. In fact, as as the world gets darker, and and we live in a dark, dark world, the the brighter our lights can shine in the midst of that. Case in point, last Sunday night, there was um, the Academy Awards were on that honor the movies of the year and such. And I'm not sure if you're a big fan of those or you watch them much, but a a lot of dark movies, a lot of dark themes uh, coming out of Hollywood just seems to kind of be the norm that we have here in uh, 2016. And we need to be very discerning about the humanistic worldview that comes out of that kind of a a medium of, of Hollywood. But as Christians, we can also be thrilled that there are some good, wholesome Christian worldview movies that are really taking place. I trace it back to The Passion of the Christ that Mel Gibson did in 2004. 
was really the first time that I think of sharing that message and seeing what Christ went through, that people became intrigued and saw that there was a way to do a movie like that and have it be quality and people would come and see it. And so now you see, even in the last year or so, You've seen movies like God's Not Dead, um, The War Room, and The Fall Time. We had some 400 people gathered together downtown. We sold out a whole showing of that together as we watched that as a church. Uh, Risen is out right now. I heard God's Not Dead 2 uh, is coming out, I think, over the summertime. Uh, last year, about this time, NBC began a miniseries called The Bible, partnering with the History Channel. Um, just, just so many good things taking place as well. Those are great witnessing opportunities. Those are very positive messages that we can have conversations with people about, about what's going on in our world or what has gone on and how a faith makes a difference. But sometimes, have you ever noticed, sometimes God uses kind of tougher circumstances to focus and refine the mission that he's about here on earth. Let me, let me give a case in point. You might say, what do you mean, Pastor Brad? Talk to us about this. Turn to Acts chapter 8 if you have your Bibles. Acts chapter 8 shows um, some interesting stories about the early church and how God used darkness and persecution to make his light shine, a, a light that is still shining very brightly today. But it wasn't always easy. In fact, in Acts chapter 7, we see that Stephen um, has been stoned for his faith, so he becomes the first Christian martyr. And in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, it says, And Saul approved of Stephen's execution. Just to fill a little bit of the gaps here, if you're not real familiar with the book of Acts or even the Bible, Saul later became Paul after he had an encounter with the risen Lord, with Jesus Christ. Saul became Paul and became one of the greatest evangelists we have of all time. He um, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament books. But here, that has not happened yet. And he is steaming mad at the Christian people. He is steaming mad at the, this, this movement that's beginning called The Way. And he's going to do everything he can to stop it. So, verse 1. There arose in that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And there were all, they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to where? Prison. prison. Okay, let me stop the story right there and, and kind of give you some thoughts on this. Have you ever thought that if this persecution didn't take place, that we might not be sitting right here, right now today? This persecution caused the message of Jesus Christ to spread far and wide. Some of the last words that Jesus gave to his disciples in Matthew chapter 28, when he was ascending up into heaven, he said, take my message everywhere. Make disciples of all nations. But even after the Holy Spirit has come uh, into Jerusalem at Pentecost, the disciples are still hanging around. They're reluctant kind of to go and to do that. Why? Because it was comfortable in Jerusalem. They, they knew people in Jerusalem. They, they knew all the nice restaurants in Jerusalem. They'd even heard that a Chick-fil-A might be coming to their town. So they're going to stay for that. 
They knew all the sports teams. They enjoyed the sports team. They knew the people. They had family there. They didn't want to go. But now they had to go. Persecution came upon them. And as they went, they had a choice to make. Do we grumble and complain because God didn't protect us from persecution? Or do we go, and as we go, do we become obedient to God? Do we engage what God is doing and preach the word as we go? And verse 4 tells us that's what they did. They went and they preached, and they preached joyfully the message of Jesus that they had taken part of and that they had learned. And so as we talk a little bit here about sharing our faith over the next few weeks, let me kind of focus some thoughts for you that maybe you hadn't considered and maybe you hadn't thought about reasons for doing that, that that really came here out of the first church. And let me give you the first point. It's on your outline. It says this, God is always working for the good. God is always working for the good. In every situation, God is working for the good, for his good and for your good. In fact, one of my life verses, it affects every bit of my theology that I, that I think through, is this verse out of Romans eight twenty eight that says, and we know, we know that those who love God, all, for those who love God, all things work together for what? For, for the good. That God, now, it does not say all good things happen to us. It just says that in all things, God works all things together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So if we see whatever happens to us as God's still working in the background and sometimes working in the foreground, if God is working, then we engage with what God is doing. Go on and now see how this applies to verses uh, 5 through 8. It says... Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. So he's being driven out. He's being persecuted. All right, as I go, here I go, and I'm going to start sharing. And the crowds, with one accord, paid attention to what was being said by Philip. And when they heard him and saw the signs that he did, for unclean spirits carrying out with a loud voice, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. Now think about this. Jerusalem, Samaria. When Jews would go from Judea up to Galilee, they would not go through Samaria. Samaria was not a place that good Jews went to. But now that the Holy Spirit had come... Judea, Samaria needs to be a place that good Christians went to. Okay, good Jews, no, we don't go through there. They're half-breeds. We don't want to associate with them. We're not supposed to. They're unclean. We don't want to be involved with that. But the Holy Spirit comes and says, now take it to all nations. And so Philip knew that that's what he should do. Well, Jesus modeled that. And have you thought, ever thought that Philip picked up on what Jesus already had built upon? You say, how does, how, how does this take place? Go over to John chapter 4. In John chapter 4, we see that Jesus, as he's going from, Gal, uh, from Judea to Galilee, from the south to the north, he decides to go right through Samaria. He didn't go around. He knew that he wanted to share his message with whoever he came into contact with. And so there's this familiar passage um, in John chapter 4 of the Samaritan woman 
who Jesus engages with conversation at the well. And I'm not going to go into that story now, but basically Jesus is saying, hey, uh, your lifestyle is not measuring up. Let me tell you what's going on here. And, you know, we're going to worship uh, together at some point in some time here. So let me share with you all of this. And watch what happens. In John chapter 4, after Jesus has shared a lot of this with her, verse 28, it says, So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Is this him? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. Jump down to verse 39. Many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard of our, uh, for ourselves, and we know this is indeed the Savior of the world. So what takes place here? This woman um, could have crawled into a shell. She could have said, man, I just got chastised by Jesus. He hurt my feelings. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to share it. I'm going to be angry. I'm going to be upset. But instead, what she does is she goes out and she works with God in the midst of this, and she starts a movement that Philip later comes and builds upon when the church is persecuted here right now. So this, maybe it was a year later, maybe it was two years, three years, we don't know exactly, but Philip comes into Samaria, and you have to believe that there were already people who knew some about Jesus, some of those words have been spread, but they weren't supposed to really be followers of Jesus because they weren't of the Jewish people. Now Philip comes in and says, it's open to everyone. Come, listen, hear, see what's going, what's taking place. That woman had a very specific place in her ministry. Philip now builds upon that. All right, let me give you a teaching point here. On the back of your outline, if you would flip that over, you see a chart at the bottom. It says the Ingle scale of steps to Christ. This is what we do around here at First Baptist Church. We want everyone to take their next step. In fact, Derek said in the announcement times, what we do is help people take their next step in knowing and making him. Okay, that, that's what we do here. We, we are all about knowing Jesus and making him known. Knowing Jesus and making him known. And so as you live out your life, if you are a Christ follower, you are trying to, I would hope, get to know him more. You're also helping others get to know him more as you're making him known to others. Well, as you come into contact with people, and you can kind of see this, and I'll go over this. It's up on the screen here as well. Um, you move people along in their faith. And so down at the bottom, it says, number one, number one step is people with no awareness of God. You have to understand this. There are people in our society, in our culture, who have absolutely no awareness of God. They could be atheists. Or they could just not have ever been exposed to church. They could not ever be really exposed to someone who's living their faith out, a, a Christian healthy witness to them. There are people today, many of you have come for years and years and years to church. There are people today who have not set foot into a church building in their lifetime. That might be hard to think about, but there are. They have no awareness of God. How do we bring them some awareness of God? Once they have some awareness of God, and Romans 1 talks about the very nature, you see that God is involved. There is some awareness that people can come up with and understand. Now they have contacts with Christians. They have a contact with you. Maybe it's the workplace. Maybe it's your neighborhood. Maybe it's a family member. But they have some sort of contact with us. 
as Christ's followers, and we need to help point them in the right direction. We need to live a good witness, a good life, that people would scratch their head and say, huh, what do you know that I don't know? And so we see the next step there is an interest in Jesus, and there's an investigation into Jesus. You know that this is the prime time in all the year when our culture puts more of a focus upon Jesus. Now, Christmas time, they do that as well, but you know what happens at Christmas time, holiday trees and all that, instead of, you know, Christmas, Christ. This is a unique time. You'll see it on, in, the, in the magazine racks in the supermarkets. Uh, many of them will have something about Jesus, his resurrection, his story. You'll see it on television shows. Um, you'll see documentaries. You'll see, like I said, movies. All kind of questioning and wondering or maybe even trying to share who was this Jesus figure that lived some 2,000 years ago and what does he mean for us? That, that, that's in our culture. So this is a prime time to keep your eyes and ears open for helping people to take their next step up this scale. Which, by the way, we also have a Foundations of the Faith class that Pastor Derek will be leading right after Easter time. And so we're going to invite anybody and everybody who comes to Easter. If you want to know more about your faith, if you don't know anything, or if you just want to learn more about your faith, come for the next four weeks after that and understand where the Bible came from and the Holy Spirit and who Jesus was and, and, and what is our church about, those kind of steps that they can take. We're wanting to help them investigate that. You see, step six, they now grasp some sort of truth about who Jesus is, understand some of the implications in step seven. Then there's an acceptance of the Christian truth. In other words, what is that mean? That, okay, now I get it. There's something about sin that's in our lives that has separated us from God, and the message of the cross says this. Those are some of the implications that some of you know like the back of your hand, but there are many in our society who don't have a clue what all that means. How do we help them take those steps? Step eight, acceptance of the Christian truth. Nine, accept implications of becoming a Christian. In other words, someone now finally says, oh, I understand about sin and separation from God and the cross and what Jesus did for me. Step nine is saying, this means me. I need to now take this step. And so step 10 is the place where there's a decision to, re, uh, to surrender to Jesus, to give your life over to him. And then uh, steps 11 through 16 and beyond are, are growing in their faith. Why do I bring this up? Because I want to show you that in every area of our lives, we have people who are somewhere on that scale. They are, they are wondering, they are questioning, even before maybe they question, you're helping them, guide them towards knowing why God made them and created them and gave them purpose in this life. That's the message Jesus has given to us. And you may not ever see someone actually pray a prayer of salvation right in your presence, but could you be about moving them along? Could you be about taking them from step four to five to six because of the things you do, because you've invited them perhaps to church and you hear a message there, or because you get them into a conversation with someone else, and maybe it's yourself who, who engages them with some of the truths about the Christian faith. God, God is always working for their good. And when bad things happen to people and people bring questions up to you, and where is God in the midst of all this? God's saying, I'm working the good. I'm working this. I'm working this. I'm working this. And the second point I want to give you is up at the top of that back page is this. God calls us to be a part of his good work. God calls us to be a part of his good work. Let me skip ahead in the story in, in um, Acts chapter 8. 
and jump to where Philip is in another situation. Go to verse 26. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. Begs the question. When the Holy Spirit lays something on your heart, do you take that step? Do you go or do you step back? Do you, do you, do you respond or do you rationalize your way out of some sort of a situation? We had a great women's conference here yesterday. A number of gals were blessed by that. That came about because Michelle and Bev, our women's directors, worked with Diane French, who had this idea to bring this and make this happen. She stepped up and said, yes, I want to make this happen. The Lord laid it upon her heart. She stepped out and did it. We have a men's ministry that's beginning. Pastor Derek is working with some men, kind of germinating some ideas and some thoughts. How do we have a men's ministry that makes an impact in this community? When the Lord stirs your heart, do you rationalize it? Do you, do you try and step back, or do you step up and say, okay, I'll go? I, I'm a part of uh, our community group is studying uh, um, some thoughts on sex trafficking and how we can make a difference in our community. There's a couple of different groups that have actually gone through this book in plain sight. And um, there was a phrase in the middle of the book that, you know, it's just trying to lay things out and hoping that you'll take steps as the Lord nudges you along. But there's a great phrase in there that says this. It says, it usually takes 30 seconds of courage to get started. 30 seconds of courage to step out and make a difference. When the Holy Spirit begins to nudge you, you just need that 30 seconds of courage to start moving because when you start moving, the Spirit starts working. But for people who are afraid, for people who can't do it, for people who are reserved, for people who, no, no, that wouldn't be me. No, I'm not hearing that. You sit back and you just park that car and you don't move it. Instead of stepping out and saying, okay, let me make a difference. And that's what happens right here. The Holy Spirit lays this upon Philip, and he rose and he went. goes on to say, verse 27, And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join his chariot. Philip now makes a choice. Do I go or do I not? Do I get freaked out because I don't know who this person is? Or do I follow the Holy Spirit and be obedient? And it says in verse 30, so Philip, what's the word here? Philip did what? He ran. I don't think he needed 30 seconds. He needed about three, and he was off. Run, go, go do it. Follow the Spirit's leading inside of me. He ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? Verse 31, and he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. All right, watch this. Watch this. This guy had some knowledge of a God. This guy had some knowledge to come from Ethiopia down to Africa to come up to worship in Jerusalem. Something was being stirred. Something was taking place, but he didn't have it all. He didn't know everything that was going on. Where do you put him on that angle scale? I don't know where you put him on that scale. He's got some interest. He's got some awareness of God. He's probably down there at two. Now he's got some contact with Christians. Now we're going to start sharing with him about Jesus. And look at what Philip does. 
The passage that was being read was about Jesus going to the slaughter. Out of Isaiah, the lamb going to the slaughter. And um, Philip listens, and the Enoch asks this question of him in verse 34. says, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? It says, then Philip opened his mouth. Sometimes that's all it takes. Open your mouth. You might not even know what you're going to say, but the Holy Spirit steps in there and says it. And for those of you who say, well, I don't know very much, and I, if you've been around here at First Baptist for, for a few months, you know more than the people in the world know, and you will be surprised at what comes out when you open your mouth and the Holy Spirit is directing you in this. He will speak through you. It says, Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about who? Jesus. So he takes him from an Old Testament passage, and he says, hey, 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 let me tell you now what has been fulfilled. Let me tell you what has happened here. This leads, this is talking about Jesus and what Jesus has done. The Holy Spirit was working, and and it came about because of obedience. Because Philip said, all right, I'll be obedient. See, in Matthew 28, when Jesus says, go make disciples of all nations, he didn't tell us necessarily how to do that. He didn't tell us, okay, here, you still follow step one, then step two, step three, and then they'll be, no, he didn't. There's a lot of different ways of sharing. There's a, the, the Spirit leads in the midst of this. We just need to be obedient. And it will probably shock you how God uses you to put pieces together. It may be someone that you're ministering to because they've gone through a hurtful time. And you being there, just a presence in their lives, awakens them up to God cares for them as well. Or it may actually be you sharing your faith and bringing them to a place of salvation. I'm not sure what it is. I just know God works. And he wants you working with him. A few years ago, I, I shared the book Eternity in Their Hearts by Don Richardson. It's, it's a fascinating book where they've studied so many different cultures around the world that have had the gospel message in it. And it's taken missionaries to go and reveal to the people what has been in their history and to point them towards God. I, I've shared some examples from that um, story before, and so I don't want to go back and share any of those now, but, but another one popped up. Um, Tom Mercer is a church down in Victorville, Southern California, and he was given a conference this last fall that I was at, and he was sharing about a story of a lady in his church. She um, had gone to China on a short-term missionary trip, and she came back and she was uh, reporting uh, about the things that she had learned, um, and she talked about how they were starting to share the story of Noah's Ark and how God's grace had saved the eight family members of Noah in that ark. And as she was sharing this with the people in China, in this remote village of China, uh, one of the women raised her hand and said, oh, yeah, we know about that story. And the woman was kind of surprised and said, how do you know about Noah? And they said, well, we, we didn't know his name until you told us his name right now. But in our language, our Chinese character for grace is eight people in a boat. There's the connection. There's the link. There's the message they needed to hear. This is already in your history. 
God has already been doing a work in your culture. Now let's show you who he is. And that, that team, that short-term mission trip team, um, said we at that moment realized God was not only with us, but he had gone way ahead of us, preparing the good works that he wanted us to do. Now I realize not all of us get to be in that place where we get to have that kind of a moment. Not all of us are called to go into some foreign land, but we can step out like Philip stepped out and explain things to people when they have questions. We can be obedient like this woman was in China when she felt called. I realize that we can't all go out and be, um, uh, you know, missionaries, but it's one of the reasons that we take an offering here at First Baptist Church so we can support the mission work that we do and support the mission work that is going on abroad. We had a team come back a week before last at the end of the week from Costa Rica. They've been doing some wonderful work in Costa Rica. As Pastor Derek said, we have another team in Mexico right now at an orphanage. All those things come about because you give and support. Our, our general budget, thank you, thank you, thank you for those who give into that offering plate because you are giving to the mission work that we do you are also giving to the mission work that missionaries do overseas in foreign lands to help these kind of conversations come about let me say thank you as well for your generosity towards our 2020 campaign um, capital campaign that we had that started in the fall free to look forward where we've been able to minister to thousands of kids over here and Pastor Mark is going out into our school districts in the next couple of weeks because our school districts are allowing him to bring in a man that we're going to have here on Sunday morning for the children's ministry. And he's going to get to share with five, 6,000 children in the school districts to say, come, come to church, come to church, come to church. And when they get here, they're going to hear about Jesus. That's what you're allowing us to do when you've engaged and joined in with helping us pay down that debt and for the future here so that we're not locked into debt. It's because God works with us. And let me just say this. God might not be calling every one of us to a foreign land, to go on a mission field and such, but he is calling each of us to reach the people in our close proximity. He is calling each of us to reach people, and I'll say it this way. You will reach people that I could never reach. You will reach people that a missionary could never reach. God has situated you in unique place where you live your life out intentionally, where you intentionally start spiritual conversations to influence people. And you don't got to get the nervous, sweaty palms and, you know, what am I saying the wrong thing? Just be you. And and I'm going to flesh this out over the next couple of weeks. In general, God has placed somewhere between 8 and 15 people in each of our lives that you already have a say into their life. They already know who you are. They already believe who you are, your credibility and who you are about, what you are about. And we need to be looking for ways how we influence those people. We need to be praying for those people. We need to have our eyes and ears open to them and to realize, God, you're asking me to be obedient like you asked Philip the Ethiopian eunuch to be, or speaking with the Ethiopian eunuch, to be obedient. And when we're spiritually aware, when we pray for those people, and when we look for opportunities um, to ask questions, to, to answer questions that they might have, and then sometimes it just takes that 30 seconds of courage to step out and open your mouth. Maybe it's 30 seconds of courage just to invite. Say, come. Come be a part. Easter's that time to do that. It's a great time to. But we know God's working all things to good. We know that he's working with us. Let me give you the last point that's on here as well. That is, 
And what a good father we have. We do this not, to, not because we have to. We share our faith because we have such a good, good father. Someone who loves to bless us. Look at Psalm 84, 11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. He's a God who loves to bless. In fact, you want to know how much he blesses? Look at that verse out of Romans 8. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us what? All things. How much? God God desires to bless. And and I'm not talking health, wealth, prosperity gospel here, folks. Listen to this. The nature of God is that he is good. There's a Hebrew word. We pronounce it tov. It's translated into the English best, goodness. It's about God's character. And the term refers to the quality in God that causes him to bless people, to deliver people, and to store up future gifts for those people. And it implies this sense of delight, understand this, in the one giving and the gift that is given. So there's this word that God is described by that is just this this goodness of God who wants to bless, who wants to deliver, who wants to store up good treasures for those whom he loves and walk uprightly. It's one of the reasons that we say around here, you can't outgive God because God has already given and blessed us with all the riches in Christ in the spiritual realms. He has already done that for us. We can never outgive God. It's just sometimes we, f- we forget that. And sometimes we just need to be reminded of it. And God is doing that over and over and over and over and over again. Let, let me share with you kind of an interesting situation where I heard this happen. Um, There's a woman who I talked with a, a few months ago who um, said, let me share with you a story, Pastor Brad. So I listened. She said um, she and her husband, uh, her husband passed away here um, a few years ago. She said, we've always been faithful givers to the ministry at First Baptist. We've always wanted to tithe. And she said, I've still wanted to tithe um, even after my husband passed away. And so she's continued to do so. Um, She said um, one month last year that um, she got things a little mixed up. And here's the story that she related to me. She said, instead of adding up all the pension checks that came in and then giving 10%, she added up all the pension checks for the month and the income, and she gave 100% of it. Missed a decimal by one place, right? Right? So she gave all of it. it. It was a large gift that she gave. I mean, we're talking into the thousands that she gave. She didn't realize it until about two to three days after she had given it. She scratched her head, and she said, I wonder where all that money went. It's not in my checking account anymore. And so she thought, you know, I'll just call the church and explain my mistake to the church, and, 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 you know, they'll, I'm sure, hear that and be able to give that back to me. And she felt God saying, no. She felt God saying, you didn't give that money to First Baptist Church. You gave that money to me. She said, oh, God, let me try this again. I'll just go. I'll pick up the phone. I'll call them. It'll be okay. I know my church. I know my pastor. He'll understand this. God says, no, no. You didn't give that money to the church. 
gave it to me. So she said, well, let me just kind of do some recalculating here, and um, I'll just not give to the church until uh, that amount that I gave is all used up, and I'll wait until that time is over, and then I'll start giving again. And again, God stepped in and said, no, you gave that money to me. You just keep giving. And so she pulls out her checkbook, and she writes in bold red ink, God this is yours. And then she wrote, now what are you going to do? <laughs> Good question. Why not? God, if you're telling me to do this, what are you going to do about it? Because I'm suffering here a little bit. And she said, but God, I, I know that you promised to take care of the widows. I know that you promised to take care of the orphans. And I know you're going to take care of me. And she even said, she said, because I know what kind of a good God you are. Now, that's someone walking out there in faith. That's someone being obedient to what God would have her do. And the story could end right there, and we could say, good for her, great for her. But that's not what kind of God we have. We have a God who loves to bless. We have a God who loves to deliver, don't we? Sure enough, within a matter of days... Kid you not, days, she received a check that she had no idea that was coming in the exact amount that she had given to the church, minus $49. We're, we're, we're not talking hundreds. We're talking thousands that she gave. That came all back to her, minus $49. And some of you 49er fans don't think that that's some holy number, okay? And you don't want to, okay, forget that. No, not the case. She just said, she said, well, I guess you figured I didn't need that $49. Okay, there you go. And as she shared the story with me, she said, this isn't the only time that God has done that kind of thing. God, I know, goes before me. I know he is so good to me. And she said, every day is an adventure with what he does in my life when I live like that. Now, you might not be in the midst of one of those stories. You might be having a tough time. You might be struggling. Watch God work. Watch how God does work. God is working all the good. I'll just give you one other story. We, we have a young family in our church who wanted to give to our capital campaign in the fall time. They didn't know how they were going to do that, but they just felt the Lord was laying some numbers upon their heart, and so they decided to make a monthly gift in this amount. They said, okay, God, here you go. It was in the hundreds. God, we, we want to give. We want to take this. This is what we feel like is being used. I kid you not. Again, one month later or a little over a month later, God allowed their bank to reduce their mortgage by that amount. And the family said it was to the exact dollar that God rearranged that so they could, that they could be able to give. Now, I don't know if it went down to 49 cents or any of that kind of stuff, but, but I, should, I should go ask them. But, but, but God just stepped in. It, it's kind of, you know, I look at that and I say, those aren't coincidences. Those are God-sidences, right? Those things don't just happen. That's God in the midst doing those kind of things. And, and we just, you know, we share stories sometimes about the financially because you can kind of see how that lines up. But it happens all the time in the way God blesses us, in the way God cares for us, in the way that we share our faith. If you pray to share your faith with someone, I know God is faithful to allow that to happen because that's what God wants you to do. You're praying scripture back to him. You're praying his will back to him. God is about that. He is all into that. And the encouragement here is, 
Sometimes it might just take that 30 seconds of courage to step out beyond yourself. Say, God, okay, here goes. And as what happened with Philip, to just open your mouth. My prayers that this week, my prayers over the next few weeks, God might reveal to you who he wants you to open your mouth to and watch how he works. Amen? Let's pray. God, we know how good you are. And we know how much you love to bless. So whether that is by our provisions, whether that is by the people we have in our lives, whether that is just by your incredible goodness to us, you are a good God who loves to bless your people. So Lord, our desire is to partner with you. Our desire is to see your work go forth here on this world. And you have said, you've made us your game plan. Go into all the world, share, share, teach, preach, baptize, share the good news of Jesus. Lord, that's what we want to do. And so, folks, I'm, I'm just laying this before you right now. We'll talk more about this over the next couple of weeks. Just, would you just pray for the people closest in your life? Maybe it's people who don't have a faith. Maybe it's some who do have a faith and maybe have fallen out of that faith that need to know the goodness of Jesus. Would you see perhaps you as helping them to take that next step, up the next step, up the next step, up the next step, up the next step, as the Holy Spirit works alongside you? And God, we we don't do that because we have to. We don't do that because we're forced to, compelled to. We do that because of how good you are how good you are. Lord, we can can think of the 10,000 ways that you have blessed us, that you have blessed us. So Lord, even now as we sing, as we again focus upon your goodness to us, um, I pray that you would again lay those people upon our hearts and um, may we fulfill and help fulfill your mission as you put it before us. God, thank you for being so good to us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.